Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we will be unraveling the depths of No Bad Parts, an insightful work by eminent psychologist Richard C. Schwartz, PhD. The book delves into the concept that our persona is an amalgamation of diverse elements akin to inner voices, each contributing uniquely to our lives. Schwartz advocates for embracing these distinct parts to heal past traumas and overhaul the manner in which we perceive ourselves and the world around us. The author, Richard C. Schwartz, is a pioneering figure in the world of psychology, best known for creating the therapeutic method called Internal Family Systems. As the director of the Institute sharing the same name, Schwartz has spread this work globally. He has an impressive bibliography of five books and over 50 articles on this unique therapy and is a revered public speaker. No Bad Parts is a treasure for deep thinkers struggling with internal conflicts, psychology aficionados seeking a fresh outlook towards the mind, and individuals grappling with feelings of numbness and dissociation due to early traumatic incidents. Tune in as we summarize this transformative book and unearth its profound wisdom. No Bad Parts, Healing Trauma and Restoring Wholeness with the Internal Family Systems Model. Introduction. Dive into the labyrinth of your psyche. Embrace your different inner voices. Have you ever been gripped by indecision, pulled in so many directions that you were paralyzed by the sheer inability to make a choice? This inner tussle, more common than you might think, is an outcome of the different voices or parts within your mind vying for dominance. Contrary to popular belief, our mind isn't a monolithic entity but rather a chorus of characters, each with its own distinctive viewpoint. Sounds bewildering? Well, it need not be. This diversity within you is a testament to your complex, empathetic human nature. However, Things take a turn when these parts undergo some form of trauma as you grow. They might react by developing damaging beliefs and adopting destructive coping mechanisms, all in a bid to protect you. They might unwittingly restrict you, barricading you behind a wall of misgivings. But is there a way to avoid this conflict and utilize the potential of these varied voices? Can you harness their power for constructive purposes? Let's delve deeper to understand. As we venture forth, you will learn the roots of the prevalent monomind concept, techniques to nurture your inner child, and why too much meditation might have counterproductive effects. Part 1. Embrace your inner diversity. We are all composed of contrasting, sometimes conflicting characters. Recall a time when you found yourself on the horns of a dilemma, unable to make a clear-cut decision. Maybe you grappled with the thought of leaving your job but couldn't reach a conclusion. Or perhaps you tried pushing yourself to deliver a speech at an event, despite being gripped by stage fright. Such moments of inner turmoil are essentially dialogues among the various personas within you, different identities that collectively shape your unique self. If the notion of possessing various parts seems peculiar, it's likely because we've been conditioned to perceive our minds as unified entities, Viewing the world through a singular lens, a concept commonly referred to as the mono-mind. 
However, the existence of our internal conflict strongly indicates that our minds are home to an array of voices and impulses. The focal idea here is, we're all composed of an assortment of parts, different, often conflicting personas. Unfortunately, our culture has often disregarded or overlooked these varied voices. The monomind theory goes so far as to attribute these differing voices to diseased, distorted thinking and suggests eliminating them as they don't reflect our true selves. Years of religious and spiritual dogma have firmly implanted the monomind theory in our minds. Christian teachings, for instance, advocate for suppressing our sinful internal drives that might lead us astray. Buddhism cautions us about the monkey mind, which must be tamed. Similarly, psychology has labeled these contradictory parts as disorders, advising patients to control their multiple voices through willpower, control, or mindfulness practices. Medication is used to dampen painful emotions, leading to a disconnection from our bodies and feelings. Author Dr. Richard Schwartz was once a staunch believer in the monomind theory. In his role as a family therapist, he tried helping clients with disorders like bulimia by advocating the suppression of their harmful urges that led to binging and purging. However, he observed that the more his clients tried to suppress these urges, the stronger they grew. That's when a light bulb moment occurred. Instead of attempting to suppress his clients' harmful impulses, he chose to interact with them. He began asking his patients to express the thoughts and feelings that consumed their minds. They disclosed the self-critical voices within them that induced intense pain and guilt, making binging and purging seem like the only reprieve. When the author and his patients started collaborating with, instead of opposing, these critical voices, a remarkable transformation ensued. They began their journey towards healing. Part 2. We don't house bad parts, but our parts might sometimes get trapped in detrimental roles. Our parts, internal entities, contribute a rich diversity to our lives. They boast individual personalities, preferences and strengths. An irate part might assist us in setting boundaries and recognizing discomfort while a cerebral part aids us in decoding the world around us. In essence, none of our parts are inherently bad. Each seeks to safeguard and enhance our well-being. However, there are instances where trauma can inflict such severe damage on certain parts that they fall into destructive roles. Coping strategies that serve to protect us in childhood persist into adulthood and can turn counterproductive. The central insight here is, we house no bad parts, but our parts might occasionally find themselves ensnared in damaging roles. Children naturally radiate joy and sensitivity. When they face incidents like bullying or abuse, deep wounds are inflicted. This early exposure to rejection plants the seeds for beliefs like, I'm worthless, or nobody loves me. Even though these beliefs are steeped in naivete, they remain firmly embedded in our internal landscape as we grow up. However, due to our inability to handle the anguish they cause, these parts become outcasts within us. These exiles within us are hypersensitive and can be provoked easily. As a result, other parts within us are conscripted into the role of protectors. One category of such protectors, known as managers, adopt harsh, critical voices, 
emulating parents and teachers in an attempt to ward off trouble. They may come across as sycophantic pacifiers, coaxing us to dodge the dread of loneliness, or hyper-rational analysts keeping us ensnared in our own thoughts. Despite their good intentions, their influence can be numbing. They don't just block out the pain, but also obstruct joy. In contrast to managers, another group of protector parts is the firefighters. These parts leap into action when the exiles are triggered, resulting in a painful reaction. Firefighters prompt us to resort to drugs, alcohol, sex, or binge-watching shows. In extreme cases, they could even push individuals towards suicide. Despite their destructive tendencies, their objective is noble, to anesthetize the pain. A large number of people live for years with these parts without truly understanding their origin, purpose, or desires. These parts dictate our self-perception, the nature of our relationships, and our response to the world. Simply repressing or berating them doesn't work, but rest assured they can be healed. You can aid these parts in unburdening themselves and breaking free from the shackles of the past. Part 3. Our core self resides within each of us, though it might sometimes be hidden from view. As a family therapist, the author was accustomed to witnessing familial conflicts in his office. His training shaped his perception of families as systems, a network of relationships operating within a specific framework. He's observed how, for instance, a bitter exchange between a mother and daughter could prompt the father to retreat and the other children to behave erratically. Families resemble delicate ecosystems. Any alteration in one area invariably impacts the other parts. What he hadn't foreseen was the existence of similar dynamics among our inner parts. They could be engaged in a brawl, safeguarding each other, forging alliances, or maintaining a love-hate relationship. Above all, they consistently interact with our self. The pivotal idea here is, we all harbor a core self, although it might not always be observable. The self is an insightful, compassionate, and peaceful voice that underpins all our different parts. Unlike the other parts, it can't be harmed and doesn't need growth. It can be perceived as our core, our fundamental essence. It possesses the ability to mediate between the diverse parts and establish loving boundaries. The self is always present, albeit not always visible. At times, we become so entwined with our exiles and manager parts that we start identifying ourselves with them. For instance, if your blood boils each time someone cuts you off in traffic, or you break down whenever you feel rejected, you might start believing that you're an innately angry and sensitive person. However, these reactions don't define who you are. They're merely tactics deployed by your protectors to shield you from harm. When children encounter trauma, they're incapable of defending themselves. That's when their parts assume the role of protectors, aiding the child's survival. The issue arises when these parts don't realize that as the child matures, their protective needs change. Consequently, the same strategies can inflict more harm than help. To initiate the healing process for these parts, we need to assure them that they are no longer required to assume the role of protectors. We're now adults, and our self can provide benevolent guidance. They don't need to serve as the bouncer in our internal family systems. 
In simpler terms, the self needs to undertake the task of reparenting the parts that have suffered trauma and work towards earning their trust. In the next segment, we'll delve into how to make this a reality. Part 4. Healing requires us to reparent our internal children. Children who enjoy a secure bond with their parents possess the stability needed to thrive. However, children with emotionally distant parents are deprived of this robust foundation. Many of our internal parts resemble these children, saddled with ineffective coping strategies. The task of the self is to commence the process of reparenting these parts with love and empathy, essentially stepping into the role of the parent. We might have lacked in our growing years. One of the author's patients was a devoted environmental activist. He was involved in commendable work, educating people on how to sustain off-grid living. But he was also riddled with anger and exhibited an abrasive demeanor. His self-righteous behavior estranged him from people, and he was unkind to his own family. However, once he started interacting with his wounded inner child, he was able to heal himself and build positive relationships. The vital insight here is, healing necessitates the reparenting of our internal children. The author encouraged the activist to envision a dialogue with the part that was angry and abrasive, a part the activist dubbed the destroyer of injustice. The destroyer confessed that his rage was fueled by the climate crisis. The activist and the author acknowledged the destroyer's distress, extending gratitude for the work he was doing. Subsequently, they inquired if he was safeguarding another part within the activist. The destroyer disclosed that he was protecting a young boy, huddled into himself, weeping. They requested if they could communicate with the boy directly. The destroyer gave his assent, albeit warning them that he'd be standing guard. The activist asked the boy to express his sorrow at losing his father at a young age. He then reassured the boy that he would take care of him that he didn't need to endure his sadness in solitude anymore. He visualized lifting the boy and taking him for a swim in a serene ocean. The boy released his pain into the waters and started experiencing lightness, even joy. The boy's transformation had a profound effect on the destroyer. He could finally relieve himself of the burden of protecting the boy. He noticed that the self had assumed the role of caring for the boy, much like a nurturing parent. Post the session, the activist's life underwent a significant transformation. He remained a passionate advocate for environmental justice, but he no longer got embroiled in arguments with those around him. He was able to channel his energy constructively and build bonds instead of pushing people away. Part 5. Cultivating internal harmony fosters a more peaceful external environment. Picture someone who genuinely annoys or disturbs you someone who has a knack for triggering you. Observe the changes in your body as you glance at them. Do certain parts stiffen? Does your breathing pattern alter? You can feel your inner protectors preparing to shield you as these responses kick in. Are they cluttering your mind with heated counter-arguments? Or are they forcing you to retreat and become reticent and brooding? When you have a host of protectors looking after vulnerable exiles, it alters how you interact with others. You only perceive their protectors and react defensively or aggressively towards them. However, 
Once you begin healing your parts, you'll witness something astonishing. You'll start perceiving those very people with empathetic understanding. The crucial takeaway here is, cultivating internal harmony fosters a more peaceful external environment. Once you've connected with yourself, you'll also start perceiving other people for who they truly are. It's as though you're a tuning fork, sending out an unseen vibration that draws out other people's selves. Instead of attracting turbulence and conflict, you now attract serenity. You also discern other people's vulnerabilities and fears and respond with compassionate clarity. The author noted that the same attributes were consistently described by people when talking about their selves. He refers to these characteristics as the eight C's, namely curiosity, courage, connectedness, compassion, confidence, calm, clarity, and creativity. To ascertain whether you're in sync with yourself, reflect on how frequently you experience these qualities in your day-to-day life. Do you react with curiosity towards your inner fears, or do you instinctively become judgmental and fearful? Do you feel mentally clear and focused? And what is the nature of your connections with others? Undertaking deep internal work might appear self-indulgent, like constant introspection. However, the reality is that the more you work with your parts and connect with your core self, the more positively you'll be able to interact with the outside world. You'll be capable of perceiving others for who they are, free from your own preconceptions. And with internal harmony and a robust foundation, you'll have a greater capacity to rectify the injustices in the world. Part 6. Embarking on the path to healing involves becoming embodied and accepting discomfort. The author's father was a kind-hearted man who, on occasion, lost his temper and was prone to fits of fury. His rage often culminated in physical aggression against the author, going so far as to scream that he was worthless. The author managed his simmering anger against his father by immersing himself in American football. Teeming with rage, he would throw himself recklessly at other players. The sport filled him with adrenaline, effectively numbing his unpleasant feelings. By engaging in football, the author was attempting to disembody, to numb his emotions. And he did it so effectively that, even several years post his active sporting days, he struggled to truly connect with his bodily sensations. The central idea here is, embarking on the path to healing involves becoming embodied and accepting discomfort. The author's protectors were endeavouring to prevent him from feeling overwhelming emotions. They feared that, if he experienced bodily sensations, he'd also have to confront the pain housed by his exiles. This resulted in his body manifesting physical distress. He began experiencing chronic migraines and asthma. When we disregard our parts, we often suffer physically in addition to emotionally. One woman endured chronic back pain from an accident for an astounding 17 years. The pain only began to subside after she confronted the anger and helplessness triggered by the accident. Certain spiritual ideologies propose that our bodily signals should be curbed or controlled to attain enlightenment. The body is perceived as a vessel harboring primal forces that can lead us astray. However, in internal family systems therapy, the body is as crucial for healing as the mind, given their deep interconnection. When we're in harmony with our internal parts, we're more attuned to the signals our bodies transmit. This naturally enables us to care for ourselves more efficiently, 
for instance, we're capable of adhering to our instinctive cues about the type of food we require, rather than being swayed by harmful diet trends or body shaming. Reflect on your current bodily state. Are you dulling sensations through medication, overeating, or compulsive exercising? What beliefs have you internalized about your body and how it should be treated? Probe your protectors on why they're apprehensive about letting you remain fully present in your body. What would ensue if you experienced every bodily sensation? If you heeded what your body was trying to communicate to you, engaging with your parts will set you on the journey towards both emotional and physical well-being. Part 7. Consistent engagement helps you foster a deep connection with your inner parts. Connecting with your inner parts is an ongoing process, not an end goal. By committing to daily exercises and visualizations, you can build solid relationships with your exiles and protectors. Consistency is the key. When your parts see you consistently showing up, they learn to trust you. Begin as if you're preparing for a meditation session. Select a comfortable spot, engage in deep breathing exercises to anchor yourself, and then do a scan of your body and mind. Pay attention to any emotions, sensations, or impulses that surface. The main point here is, consistent engagement helps you foster a deep connection with your inner parts. As you continue sitting, notice if a specific emotion or thought demands your attention. Observe it as closely as possible. Where is the feeling located within your body? How do you respond to it? Does it invoke fear or revulsion? Request parts of you that exhibit strong reactions to momentarily step back, enabling you to better understand the sensation. If your parts provide you with the necessary space, address the sensation directly. Ask it if it has something important to tell you. Further, ask it what it fears might happen to you if it weren't present. Next, express genuine gratitude for its role in safeguarding you. Inquire if it requires something from you in the future and attentively listen to its response. You have now successfully interacted with one protector part. The initial sensation you noticed as you sat down was a trailhead, setting you off on a journey into your mind and its functions. An impactful follow-up exercise is to construct a personal map of your varied parts. Take a piece of paper and a pen and repeat the initial exercise where you scan your body and mind for sensations and emotions. However, this time, instead of deeply engaging with one part, create a visual representation of each part that appears to you. Once you've documented them all, analyze their relationships and how they interact with each other. You have now accomplished a mapping of your internal family. Much like any family, conflicts might arise, and you may disappoint each other occasionally. But if you keep allocating time for interaction and connection, you'll notice that trust begins to flourish, facilitating the healing of even the most hurt members. As a result, your internal family will become harmonious and grounded, positively influencing every facet of your life. Final Summary the main takeaway from this discussion is that you comprise an array of internal parts, each possessing unique personalities and providing invaluable contributions to your existence. However, if they endure trauma, they risk getting confined in inflexible roles, which can cause harm. 
Self-healing can be achieved by interacting with these parts lovingly and empathetically and reconnecting with your core self. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.